Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. All right, so uh, we are in the last week of the series we've been in the last four sun, summer, Sundays, summers. <laughs> It's been a long time around here. Uh, open the door and let them in. Uh, subtitled, uh, Making It Easy for People to Come to Jesus at Life Church. All right? And we've done all kinds of things. We talked about um, the gospel truth. What is the gospel? Uh, the fact that Jesus is the only way to God. He says so. He makes all kinds of claims. People love him because he's a great teacher and all kinds of other things. But he makes some exclusive claims that as you're a believer, you also have adopted uh, gospel truth. We, in our effort to get the door open so we can let more believers in, potential believers, we ask the question, well, how did the door get shut in the first place? We talked about uh, the distractions that churches have with regard to where they place their best efforts, most attention and energy and finances and how that just distorts our ability to make it abundantly clear what the gospel is, and that it's not just a great place that you're here, that we love you, and, and it feels good, but there's a, a way uh, to gain salvation, which you need. There's only one way, and we're here to help you find that. And, and third, last week we talked about gospel climate change, not about atmospheric conditions anywhere in the earth, but making the places we uh, worship, work, go to school, all those things be places where acceptance of the gospel is a much more readily acceptable thing. And uh, most of us know that it's not necessarily an acceptable thing right now. So uh, we are diving into the last session here, and it's called You Can Tell It. Now... <clears throat> Let me be honest about something. I, I, I'm guessing uh, some just went, Ugh. I knew it was going to come eventually. They're going to want me to talk <laughs> about, about this stuff. Well, yeah, but just hang on, all right? Don't, don't bail yet. Here's the bottom line. I know some of you have been sitting there wondering, I wonder if Pastor Wayne knows this hasn't been a topic that I would sign up for. Um, I, I, I much prefer things like uh, how to get a breakthrough, <laughs> how to overcome your anger, how to let go of wounds in your life, how to make your wife believe a hunk when you know you're not one. Stuff like that. I wonder if Pastor Wayne knows. <clears throat> Pastor Wayne knows, okay? But sometimes I think it's necessary and all right for us to say, but Jesus, what is your priority? I'd love to tell you about mine, but Jesus, what is your priority? priority. And so that brings us to this story. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very weird story, as most of us are, uh, our experience dictates. 
but it starts in Mark 5. If you have a copy of the scripture available, uh, you could turn there. There's a, there's a whole lot of stuff in here, um, which we can't, we're going to look at 20 verses. We can't adequately uh, look at all of these things in detail. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to do something that I, I actually disdain people doing, sort of. Um, sometimes it's easy for people to, preachers get up, and especially in the American church, and, and spiritualize stuff you find in the Bible. In other words, well, this was a different day and age, and, and I'm just going to warn you something about something right now. This is going to talk about demons, this passage. <laughs> so, well, hmm, demons, uh, let's not talk about that. And I don't know if I believe they're around anymore anyway, so, so let's, 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 talk, let's apply it to other things, all right? And, and, and we're good about that in the United States, about uh, spiritualizing, which sounds wonderful, but really it's uh, avoiding the real import of the text. However, at the very end is the real thing that I think really uh, God wants to emphasize for us today. So we're not going to be talking about uh, demons per se and demon possession, and, and uh, we're going to acknowledge it's real. Uh, we're not going to ignore that, but there's a, real, there's a whole lot of places you could go in this text that uh, I'm just saying <laughs> it was a little challenging to, to say, but I'd like to go there. <laughs> and... Uh, Oh, by the way, I, sh I, I want to tell you, you know what? I know this is not the most exciting series you've ever heard. It hasn't been the easiest to preach either. <laughs> but when I got the assignment from God back in the spring, knowing uh, Pastor Rich is going to be going on a sabbatical and this last four weeks we're going to be mined straight, along with some others in the spurs, uh, God was very clear. And so... Um, I just resolved we'll make the best of it, okay? So let's do that since we're here. Since we got up, we came in, we're here. Um, here we go. Mark 1. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop every now and then along the way, and I'll expound some things that we uh, encounter in the Scriptures uh, as we go on our journey to the end. All right. So they, Jesus and those following him, went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Now, this is very important. You go, oh, I don't really know about any uh, geography over there, and most of us don't, which is not a big deal. Here's the big deal. The big deal is that most of us assume that Jesus took the gospel to the Jews, Paul took the gospel to the Gentiles. Jesus never talked to the Gentiles, but he arrested Paul on the road to Damascus, Saul at that point, and commissioned him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Gentiles is the word for everybody who wasn't a Jew. Okay? So, so that was the breakdown, except the Gerasenes is a Gentile area. And you'll see very soon, very clearly, it's a gen, not a Jewish area, all right? So Jesus wanders purposefully into a Gentile region. So he's introducing the gospel and who he is in a region of the Gentiles. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure or demonic spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. One more. 
night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. All right, so we have a very disturbed person, very clearly. Uh, someone had gotten uh, really trapped in demonic stuff. We don't know how it happened, uh, but it was so severe that the demons had overtaken him. Satan was in complete control of what he thought and what he did. And, and so uh, uh, this happens today, not as rarely uh, in the United States, and sometimes we label these kinds of things um, mental illness and uh, that could get tricky at times because there's certainly true that any illness, anything that is destructive in our life has its origin in, in uh, hell where Satan wants us to be destroyed and not be effective for God. Uh, but sometimes medicine takes care of those kind of things and it helps and sometimes it doesn't. This guy was in a place where he had been helped. Not maybe in the way he was hoping to be helped, but people had tried many times to bind him by chains and, and remove him from misconduct in their area. Holler, screaming, making a, a scene. He was living out in the tombs. The tombs were uh, sides of rocks that were cut out where people would be, uh, where bodies would be buried, would be laid in. Sometimes tombs were uh, such that you had a cut out. You'd go in and go sideways and there'd be three, I'm going to call them bins, three places there and three places here to slide uh, cared for bodies in. But uh, he lived in these places. People had tried to bind him so he couldn't be destructive. We're not told all the things he was being destructive with, but he was uh, really an incredible challenge, not, not to mention he was scary. So much of a challenge that they no longer, no one could ever bind him anymore. He had been bound in chains, uh, wrists, ankles, and he would break those. Things that were not able to be broken by human strength. And, and my thinking goes like this. So I wonder how long it took these people who thought the way to take care of him was to get themselves beat to smithereens trying to handcuff him. And, but finally, they've given up. It didn't matter. It didn't do any work anyway. So um, he was in terrible shape. He actually was in such shape that he would take rocks, slit his self, Blood coming down, and I know some of us know people who in this day and age have, have wrestled with certain behaviors that even with razor blades or things like that would do self-mutilation. All kinds of other ways too. So some of us know that kind of thing happens, not necessarily that person is demon-possessed. But there was a bondage upon this guy he had no willingness or no ability, excuse me, to get out of. Uh, and... and and I'm, I'm going to say this. Uh, this is not a message about demon possession or getting free from demons. Uh, although it's in the Bible, it's very clear, it's true. People wrestle with those things today as well. But it's not a message about that. There's some bigger things for us this morning. But some of you are not unfamiliar with bondage of some baggage, whatever you want to call it of various dynamics. Things you brought with you from other parts of your life that are, are, are tormenting you to some degree. 
I'm not talking about demon possession at the moment, all right? I'm talking about life's challenges that, that smash us down, keep us powerless, have us right. Yeah, we have our face. We can put it on. We can be among public. We can go to work. We might go to classes. Sometimes we might have to call in and take a few days off because we're overwhelmed or whatever the case might be, get our equilibrium again. But, but we're making it. But most of us know about being challenged. Feeling alone. No one seems to know what to do for me. In fact, it's a very common plight that Jesus ran into. In the very, this is chapter 5. In chapter, uh, the, ver, the verses right after this, beginning in verse 21, Jesus runs into the woman uh, who has the issue of blood for many, many, many years. Whatever that issue of blood was for many, many years. And, and, and she suffered much, says the scripture, at the hands of doctors, and, uh, meaning there was no relief. She had gotten none. That is life. Life for a lot of us. More so than we even want to acknowledge or admit to other people around us. But we get trapped. We make do as best we can, but we don't know how to get completely free. So I think most of us can relate in some regard to this guy. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of Jesus. He shouted at the top of his voice, get ready, ready for me to shout? What do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me! For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. The challenge here is this. The demons recognized who Jesus was. And it was the demons speaking. It wasn't the man. His real voice, his vocal cords were being used, but it wasn't him. It wasn't his personality that was in charge of any of this. It was the demons that recognized who Jesus was from a distance, came running uh, because they had some fears. They knew Jesus' power. They knew they had to obey Jesus. And so they said, what is it you want from us? We're not looking forward to what you're about to do. I'm afraid. Don't torture me. The demons are saying that about themselves. Don't torture us. Because they knew they had, there were two options right now. Their, their preferred option was out. They, they were pretty sure that wasn't going to happen. And that was he would just send them out of the man into the area. And they were free to go find out then who else they wanted to torment. And what other things they wanted to distort. Uh, but Jesus wasn't going to allow that. They knew that. So uh, maybe he would uh, take a suggestion. We'll try that. Because the other option was uh, the end of time option, which they knew what it was. When the demons uh, uh, and Satan are thrown in the lake of fire, prepared specifically for them, where they would be tormented forever. All right? So that's not what they wanted. Jesus said to them, what is you? said to him, where it is him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. So, who's really speaking here? It's still the demons. But Jesus was attempting to speak to the man. This is kind of a controversial sort of uh, deal in some circles with regard to uh, demonic ministry and getting people free. But in my, my understanding of this passage, Jesus did not talk to the, the demons. He didn't ask them their name. He knows they lie. Satan is a liar 
and the father of lies, there's nothing truthful in him. He can't tell the truth to save his life. So we don't even know if this name that they said, Legion, was even correct. But that was their claim. So he's trying to get through to the guy. He knows who's in control, but a lot of things that Jesus does, uh, he's omnipotent and omniscient. He knows everything. Along with his power, he can do anything. But a lot of times, he, he, he knows that his time has not come, the scripture says in a number of passages. So uh, it's not time for him to die. Uh, it's, he has to go back into heaven. He has to come again a second time. And then the end is to come. Until that time, Satan is permitted, as stupid as we might think uh, such a plan is, to still have influence on the earth. Because God has given humankind uh, freedom of will to decide to follow Jesus or not to. But he wants people to. So he's long-suffering, says the scripture. His desire, this won't happen, because he's given people to choose otherwise, but his desire is that everyone would come to know him as Savior. And so, so, so Satan still has an ability to do some damage, do some stuff. But Jesus is trying to get through to the man. But this voice, other than his, is what comes back. Now, a large herd of pigs was feeding in the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. By the way, are we clear yet that this wasn't a Jewish region? All right. Um, he gave them permission. Jesus did not send them into the pigs. They asked and he gave them permission. And you think, well, uh, what's the big deal about that fine point? Some people get all upset about, well, <laughs> did Jesus act right? I mean, he wrecked the livelihood of a lot of people. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed the steep bank in the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out... <laughs> See, what in the world was going on? Okay. There's an incredible illustration of Jesus' priority here, which isn't always our priority. He goes to the man, trying to reach him, knowing he can't do anything to set himself free sets him free, and is willing, this will stun some people in today's uh, society, he is willing for 3,000 pigs to die, much more than he is for one human being. Jesus loves you so much. He will go to inordinate ends to set you free. If he can do that for someone in this kind of condition, he can do it for you too. He wants to do it for you too. Next. When they, the people who had heard all about this, came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind 
and they were afraid. Now, we don't know how long the time passed between this man's uh, freedom and when these people are out yakking and talking around and people gathering and finally coming back. But in that time, they had ministered to the man more fully even. He's, he's dressed, he's uh, cleaned up, he looks normal. And so they come back and they heard the story, you know, but until you see, you don't know if you really believe. They come back and they find him in this condition and their response was, hallelujah, let's have a party. The guy who was lost has been set. No, they were afraid. What were they afraid about? Maybe we'll... God was going to ask them to change. Maybe how Jesus was going to change them. Maybe more about, well, how are we going to eat? Someone ruined our livelihood attending these pigs and dressing them and using them for the Roman sacrifices, which they were used for. The real, the, the real sad thing here is, though, that they missed it. They cared more about their own livelihood and their normalcy than they did about one person tormented, having no ability to help themselves, having gotten help. Next. Maybe you've never, maybe you've never registered this message before in you. The truth is, Jesus didn't come to condemn people. He didn't come to say, well, hmm, what were you doing in your life that you got this messed up? You know, if you would have watched Oprah, God loved humans in the world so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for our sins, raise again, that whoever believes in him and his work will not perish in hell, but will live forever with him in heaven as well as having life now. Life and life to the full, says uh, John. And so, I don't know if you're looking in online, I don't know where you're at, I don't know if you're in Cedar Rapids, or whatever the case might be, but maybe, you've, maybe no one's even ever told you, maybe you never heard that Jesus came and died. Uh, but we need salvation from our sins, and God is willing not to blame us. The next verse here that we don't have on the screen says, he didn't send Jesus to condemn us from sin, but to save us. To condemn us for our sins, but to save us from them. We all know we're wretched. If you're honest. But the beauty is this. This whole passage demonstrates one thing really, really clearly. Jesus and his work 
whatever it is or however hard it might seem to you, it's always about having life and having more abundantly. Satan's work, whatever it is, is always about stealing, killing, destroying you ultimately. Even when the demons left the man, somehow miraculously and only by God's grace had this man not killed himself or being killed in some other way, but, but there certainly was enough at work in him, so much so that even when, when the demons were removed out of him, they went into 3,000 pigs and the pigs destroyed themselves. Satan's a real force. Evil's a real force. Um, temptation to follow ways that seem great, good, temporarily wonderful, are incredible in this world. <clears throat> you know, you can go ten pigs if you want to. This is not anything about any industry that's going right now. It's about, but it is about choices, preference, one over the other. Here's the deal. <clears throat> Next. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And you go, yeah, that could probably be pretty effective. Send the guy around and make him an evangelist out of him. He's got some stuff to share. That's amazing. How, how many of you, by show of hands, how many of you uh, became Jesus followers um, pre-age 18? A lot of us. And so for those of us in that category, this is a little challenging. If you're like me, I grew up in a pastor's home, and, and I sat in the pew lots. I heard lots of people talk. I heard special speakers came in. I heard testimonies of amazing things people have been set free from and, and, and uh, just audit some of that. But there came a point I said, and I wasn't smart enough to not say this at this point, but, but, but out loud to me and the Lord, I wish I'd had something happen in my life because I, I don't have a testimony. I never was driving down the highway stone drunk and slammed my car into another car and then into a tree, my windshield broken, stuff coming into me, and I should have been dead, but I saw somewhere in that a light, someone standing before me in my hospital, but I woke up to know Jesus was real and now I've got a mission. <laughs> no, I don't have anything like that. And so, so, so then Satan's work is, you don't have a story, man. You can't talk about God. Next. 
Here's the deal, though. There is nobody, nobody who is the expert of your story like you are. Most of us have all kinds of things that, although we might have been raised in a Christian home, maybe not, that we've overcome um, that (laughs) we needed to overcome. Raised in a Christian home, in a pastor's home, but I'm telling you what, I had some real baggage that I had to get rid of. Uh, We had a move later in life that allowed us to go to a high school uh, where no one knew my past history, a very large high school. No one knew my past history. They didn't know I had been uh, uh, mocked, ridiculed. I was a pensive, afraid, uh, bullied little boy because my dad was a pastor, and I was just scared. And I adopted at that period a mindset, hey, somehow, I don't know how this happened. It was a gift from God, I think, uh, that uh, a recognition, everybody's scared. If I just act like I'm not scared, no one will know. And they'll be intimidated by me. And it worked. And I rode that train for quite a while, even as a Christian. Until I recognized I had adopted some very destructive behavior that really wasn't me and gained strength that wasn't really real. And I had some stuff. I needed help. All of us have stories of some sort of like that. You know? Someone come and say, you know, why are you, why are you so optimistic? I, you, you went to that funeral and, and you know, it was your dad a, a year and a half ago and I, don't, I didn't see you cry much. My dad knew Jesus. My mom and he had talked for years. They'd watched their friends die off. They knew what was happening to them. They knew where they were going. Everything was prepared. They had no money. They didn't have to worry about what to do with stuff after it was over. So, um, and with the illness that he had, oh my gosh, why would you want to be selfish and keep someone here? I'll rejoice that he got liberty. But you can't do that if you don't know that there's liberty. So, next. Here's the deal that we often miss. That last scripture that we just skipped says, and so, so he went back, told people, and uh, they were amazed. So there's a progression. There's a progression. We don't know where that person is in the progression. We don't know. We don't know. They kind of were, hmm, really? So they come out to see. And they said, no, no, go away, go away, leave, leave. I don't want anything to do with this. No. And then somehow, some at least turned to amazement, which is not outright refusal, but it's, huh. And so we can tell our story. We can... uh, Leave the rest to God because Satan's then effect on us is to, you don't have a story. Oh, you think you do? Well, you can't tell it effective enough, effective enough for people to put their faith in Jesus. God's expectation is not to con- for us to convince, to win the argument. 
It's for us to portray and display him. It's contact with other people, with our story, not conversion. Now there may be some wonderful times we get to the place where we get to be part of the conversion. In front of you or on a pew this, or in a seat this morning, we pass out a card. Looks like this. Uh, no test coming, nothing like that. It's actually, uh, it says meeting Jesus. Uh, we had a little communication challenge in the midst of producing this. Um, it should have underneath that then said gospel explosion. That's one way of leading people to Jesus. Romans Road on the back is another way of leading people to Jesus. Four Steps is another way of presenting the gospel. All from the Bible using similar scriptures in a little bit different organization. I use the Romans Road uh, most often, and so um, I started out before cell phone, of course, so in the front of my Bible, I come to the very first, it says Romans 3.23. I'll flip to Romans 3.23, and then it'll say Romans, right at the edge, Romans 6.23, which is the next place to go, and that chain is there for me all the time. I have the same note, a note in my cell phone uh, for those kinds of, uh, for that progression. Um, would you, would, you, would you just put yourself in a place of being able to be used by God? If the need ever arose. I mean, you're around and you've been doing the stuff we talked about last week. Lift the veil, Lord, lift the veil. Lift the veil. Salvation come to this place. That person walking in front of you right now. Salvation come. Your presence come to They don't hear you. They don't have to know anything about it. We're changing the atmosphere. But someday maybe someone will ask you. Why, why, why are you so, whatever, appealing? Well, it's because of my wonderful hair, you know? So I, I would just really encourage you to take this. I don't know where you put it. I put mine in here in my Bible. I have it other places. You can use it to mark your Bible or whatever else you want to do. But what if, what if, what if when telling your story it leads to the chance of explaining God's provision fully. You have a way to do that, all right? Um, one last scripture. Many of you have heard this before, for I am not ashamed, Paul says of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. There's a power at work when you're presenting the gospel that is not just your power. You are not the convincer. The Holy Spirit is the convincer. You're the sharer. You're not by yourself. And, and I love the word of God because anytime you, 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 you put out the word of God, uh, it does not return void says the scripture. You don't necessarily see how it's being used in someone's life, but God did something in that encounter with scripture. Doesn't matter if you fumbled your story. When I was a brand new pastor starting a church for the very first time, uh, straight out of seminary, um, it was acceptable in that day and age to knock on doors and take a survey to find out how people were thinking and doing all that. And, and I remember, I had no idea what I was doing. I came home beat up so bad at times, I mean, emotionally. I, and I, I, I would just pray, just stumbling over answers to questions because I, I, had to, I had to know the answer and so I couldn't let anyone know I didn't know the answer. And when you got into some theological philosophical argument, and, but at home I go, oh God, 
nullify anything I said that was not helpful. Nullify it. So, Lord, nullify, lift the veil, and bring your power. Would you say this with me? Let's just say it out loud. If this is your testimony, if you believe this, let's say it together. Four, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, I would like you to, um, uh, those of you who have never given your life to Jesus, I know one, I know at least one did this morning uh, for, the fir- for the first time. Uh, it's as simple as this, to place your trust in Jesus. Just say right here in your own heart, in your own mind. He'll hear it. Um, Dear Lord, Thank you for dying for my sins. I believe that you are my provision for salvation from my sins. I place my trust in you. Thank you for raising again from the dead. Teach me what I need to know. Amen. All right. We'd like to know about that. If you did that today for the first time, you can come up front to any of the campuses and tell uh, anybody at the front on on our prayer team. You can uh, use the the code there and the quick response code and text us that or use the card itself and take to the counter outside. But let us know. We want to help you follow through. All right. If you are here and you need some help with getting unstuck from something, an attitude, a behavior, you're just uncertain about something, our prayer teams are here to help you. They have lived all week long for this moment. They have. They're preparing to pray for you. So uh, when we begin to sing this last song, we stand up to do that in just a minute. Uh, it'll be easy for you to get out. Come right away. You don't need to wait. Um, and they'll help you. Father, in Jesus' name, for everyone who needs prayer today, draw them at all of our campuses. Draw them in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.